0: Well, welcome to the podcast. My name is Ross Cochran. I get to serve as the host of this podcast, and I am so glad that you're here. Every week on this podcast, we talk to experts both inside and outside the church who are thought leaders and practitioners, people who are dedicated, to the mission and the urgency of child discipleship. And today, in fact, is one of the most talked about conversations that happen in the broader child discipleship community, which is the conversation around volunteers. On this episode, you're going to hear from Shannon Scott and Mariska Harris, who both serve at Church of the City in Franklin, Tennessee. You're also going to hear a direct volunteer appeal that Shannon made to her community about getting leaders to serve, that is one of the best volunteer appeals I've ever heard. No one is pretending that that is a script that you should cut and paste and put into your community. But if you are a leader who is trying to figure out how to both bring more leaders around you and keep the leaders that you have around you focused on child discipleship, This conversation with Shannon and Mariska will certainly help you do that. Also, for those of you who have listened to this podcast for a long time, you might have noticed a couple of new things. Namely, we changed our name. It's a small thing, but we are now officially the Child Discipleship Podcast. And if you stick around after the conversation with Shannon and Mariska, I am joined by Mike Handler, the Chief Communication and Innovation Officer at Awana and we'll talk about that for those of you who want to hear the full context on why we've made that switch but thank you again for listening you're about to hear from mariska and shannon who are going to talk about their ministry directly and then we're going to dive into the practical ways that they serve their volunteers and how you could apply that to your context thank you for listening this is the child discipleship podcast
1: Well, I'm Shannon, and um, I've been at Church of the City for almost five years and have the privilege of leading the kids, women, and college ministries here at the church. And I also sit on the executive leadership team. I've been in children's ministry for about 25 years. It has been amazing. We are tracking to be seeing about a 1,000 kids per Sunday, birth through fifth grade here in the next couple of weeks, I would imagine. Um, so
2: yeah.
0: Congratulations yes. on that, by the way.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome, but it's a lot, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I am um, Kid City Elementary. and so I work with kindergarten through fifth grade, um, mostly on Sunday mornings. Um, we're kind of divided up our preschool director and then um, elementary and then city friends. And um, over at K through 5th, and then I've been at Church of the City, our family, for about almost seven years now, our family has been attending Church of the City, and then I came on staff last July.
0: Nice. Oh, what a time to join join vocational ministry.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) I know from being a part of this community that one of the top questions people ask us, one of the uh, most felt needs is all around this idea of recruiting and retaining volunteers. And if that's not the exact language you use for this, I apologize, but I know you understand what I'm talking about. Mariska, I want to ask you, historically, in the, in the before times, right, before March 2020, this is such a felt need of this community. How were you managing this? How are you thinking about volunteers? I know, I know you had just recently come on staff, but what was the culture of your church around volunteers?
2: you know, a lot of the volunteers that I have in elementary are brand new, fresh, have never served before. And so maybe have served at other capacities, maybe at other churches, or if they moved out of state. Um, but being in charge of this city serving with us in Kid City, it's a lot of majority of them are brand new to us. And so it's kind of nice because they don't know what it looked like beforehand. So we have that opportunity. And one of those things we did is we want to make sure, um, everybody wants a sense of community, especially after COVID um, of not having that. And so one of the things that we kind of started fresh from beforehand is what we call a huddle. And that's once a month, we get together with our volunteers and beforehand, it used to be more like tactical information side, what you need to know. Um, and now it's more of just like how we can meet, we how we can pour into our volunteers and say, thank you. It's a time of community once a month before they serve on that Sunday morning, where we pour into them with breakfast and some fun games, um, you know, Each hearing from each of us on the Kid City team staff so they know everybody and just connecting with other volunteers that serve um, and it just being more of that family, community atmosphere um, to say thank you. It's been really nice to um, have that fresh change um, post-COVID now.
0: Yeah. And Janet, I want to ask you a specific question because I can hear people in their cars right now uh, Mm -hmm. responding to some of this, which is that's great for them. They they are coming. They're gonna have a thousand kids in their church. They're gonna yeah. have. They have the capacity to do a once a month huddle. That's great for them. My pastor won't listen to me, or I have ten kids in my church, etc. Can you, with your uh, longer lens in this ministry, speak to why what you guys have experienced is universal, no matter what the context looks like? Which actually, I'm just realizing, uh, is the definition of universal. So I yeah, exactly. That, that exactly. Terrible lead in.
1: Well, I mean, it probably goes without saying, but I'll still say it, which is it takes exactly the same amount of things to do to run a children's ministry, whether you have 30 kids or 3000 kids coming. So it's just a scalability is all we're talking about at that point. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we have had to determine And we're actually in a different conversation about this. Now we have had to determine what are the most important things that we are focused on and we're going to knock those out of the park. So that's one thing is like, what are your superpowers and focus on those? Because otherwise the the smorgasbord of things just taps (laughs) these bandwidth, but to the, my pastor won't listen. Yeah. Uh, this, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking in real time about how to say this because this will be captured forever. Um, <laughs> it's it is not lost on me. At least in our church demographic, which is primarily young families, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, parents will attend a church where they don't really love what's going on in the main service if their kids are loving kids ministry parents will not attend a church that they love and their kids hate, at least not long-term. So as parents, we sacrifice automatically for the good of our kids, our preferences. Mm -hmm. And so that is something I have said really blatantly and have said, the reason we wanna provide the most excellent children's ministry we possibly can is because it is absolutely unequivocally meaning that the attendance in the main auditorium is going to either be great or it's going to be terrible based on how our children's ministry goes, because we're young families. Um, The other helpful thing is I am an advocate with the executive leadership team for what we need in children's ministry, not in a squeaky wheel context, but in a just FYI, this is what we need in order to not become a squeaky wheel. This is what we need in order not to become a problem. It is our desire in the same way that we're discipling adults to be discipling kids. We want to be as synced up with what's happening in the main service as we can. We want to provide those opportunities. And the more that we just kind of grassroots did that, the more equity it built so that when it was time to say, hey, I think we've got to have a Sunday morning announcement, because I think at the end of the the day, this is less a numbers issue and more a discipleship issue. Um, And at that point, it was my turn to host on Sunday morning. And our senior pastor said, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, and honestly, my approach to that announcement was, holy spirit i need you to tell me what these people need to hear for how you've prepared their hearts i did not you know come up with some like this is the fail safe it'll work everywhere it's foolproof (laughs) i do think there are some elements of it that would work everywhere and maybe we'll talk about those but Mm -hmm. it was what's our context what do our people need to hear we're in a different moment after covid people don't nobody wants to hear that children's ministry has a problem Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to hear how they can be engaged in what God is doing in discipleship of the next generation. So I w- that's what I would say is spend time as a children's ministry, becoming an asset to what's going on in the main service mm-hmm. and play to the fact that people will not come to a church that their kids hate for very long. Mm-hmm. So a retention plan for the congregation is a phenomenal children's ministry.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, I could, you know, at Awana, we could just play that clip on loop uh, at the offices here uh, so everyone's ready to charge the hell. Because, I mean, obviously, that is such our heartbeat. That is such our mission. And I think for folks who maybe are new to the podcast or new to yeah. the conversation that Awana is trying to have, that is the exact conversation we are trying to have, whether your church it uses Awana Club yeah. um, during the week or bright on Sundays or anywhere in between. Yeah. We are invested in discipleship, whatever your context looks like. And That's why it's so encouraging when we see clips or hear stories like what y'all did, because I want to take people a little bit behind the curtain. So obviously you guys are operating in a very specific context and none of us are pretending that this is universal. Right. But at what point do you realize, like you said, this is a vision problem uh, or a discipleship problem is I think what you said, not just a numbers thing. And at what point and how quickly does that lead to, okay, I'm giving announcements and this is what I'm going to talk about.
1: Uh, we actually did a survey. We did a congregational survey and okay. it was, um, and, and this wasn't about children's ministry, but as part of the survey, we asked the question, we, we call our members stakeholders at church of the city, because we want you to be, we want you to have a stake in what God is doing here. So if you want to be a member at the church, you go through this process and you're called a stakeholder. So we asked the question, Are you a stakeholder? Yes or no? And then, if you are a stakeholder, are you serving regularly in any ministry of the church? And 80% were not serving. And so. Our pastor is a stats and metrics and numbers guy. And so that is what it took. So I had been saying, we need to volunteer. We need an announcement about volunteers. We need to recruit. We need to recruit. And when the data came in, it was very obvious. This is a discipleship problem. And the reason I call it a discipleship problem is it's not even a generosity problem. Our church is exceedingly generous financially. Our church is also exceedingly generous in a, we need to sh- you to show up for a one-shot deal and we need to make an impact here and they will conquer that no matter what. But in our context, which is, I would say, upper middle class, yes. wealthy, um, prob- probably more wealthy than other contexts, the sacrifice of time Mm -hmm. is a no-go for people. And so coming to church on Sunday and serving just has not been something that we can rely on with this congregation, not in any regular ongoing context. And so at that point, I was like, this is a discipleship issue. We don't need to talk about generosity. We don't need to talk about the kids need you. You know, we don't (laughs) need to go that route. That's not what actually is going to work. They're going to just say, cool, who do I need to pay to yeah. make this problem, to fix this problem? Mm-hmm. So that was how we got there. It really, at, at the end of the day, came down to the metrics. And once we could prove, we have, at, at that time, we have 6,000 people coming to this church. Why do we need children's ministry volunteers with 6,000 people and 1,000 kids? Why why is this a problem? So the, the numbers did it. We did a congregational um, spiritual health survey on a variety of things, prayer, Bible reading, just to inform our greater discipleship movement. And we stuck that question in there and it got answered. And I'm actually surprised people were as honest as they were about it. Yeah. So. Well, I, I love,
0: you know, cause again, like I'm, I'm just gonna be really explicit here. Your senior pastor, your executive leadership team might not be as numbers and data motivated as Darren Whitehead. Uh, yes. y'all senior pastor. Yes, but you can find that thing yes and that can cause a pivot point if you are doing the work that you guys were already speaking to of being how to position the ministry as an asset to the overall church. Yeah. you know, it is we could have a much longer conversation about uh, whether or not that's a fair burden and you know the historic uh, stuff that has led to that yeah. positioning. But the fact is as leaders in this space, it is incumbent on us, To position ourselves that way. And when you do so, you're going to see uh, God move in ways like you did in your church. Now, I want to talk about this sort of specific Sunday, the announcement and sort of what's happened after that. But before we do that, um, you had mentioned you had stripped down like, what are the what are our superpowers? What are the main things we're focusing on? And what are the things we're setting aside?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, for elementary, I think the key thing, when we first came back from COVID, you know, we had to kind of go in phases with, you know, large group, the kids were spaced out and then kind of slowly kind of getting back to what it kind of looked like before COVID. And so one of the big things for me was, um, small groups. And to Mm. be honest, after I went to the wanted to cycle ship forum in the fall, I came back, like, "I I really want to go back to this. I know we may not have enough volunteers, but I just feel like it's time these kids, you know, need more of the relationship side, especially after um, just the season that you know everybody went mm-hmm. through. And so, um, just praying that God would provide the volunteers that we needed each Sunday, and as kids and families started coming back that more volunteers would come. and But we had to start with just going back to that small group, that discipleship, the relationship um, where the kids are able to ask questions and dive deeper um, and form those relationship with those small group leaders. Um, We just know that that would be the best for retention and the kids growing in their faith, um, just that environment. And so we started going back to that last fall. um, And that's just been really beautiful to see Um, and I, I mean, at first we were only having just a few fourth and fifth graders. They, a lot of them Mm -hmm. were going into the main auditorium with their families over coming into kid city, um, since COVID and now, um, we're we're talking about creative ways for space because Mm -hmm. now the classrooms are being filled with fourth and fifth graders because they're just loving that small group environment um, after we wrap up large group. And so that's just been really sweet um, to just see the growth of the kids and how they're enjoying being in Kid City um, and forming those relationships and diving into that small group curriculum and questions.
0: Amen, yeah,
2: we, we
1: knew our superpower was our ability to gather and, you know, program for large numbers of kids at once and so Mm. the small group aspect of it we were like okay even if we don't have enough volunteers to do small groups we can still do large group and we can make it impactful and scriptural and sound and them still walk away with something to talk about with their families and so we just doubled down on what are we great at Um, The other thing we have at this church is resources. And so we were like, let's get logistically sound. Let's make sure our check-in situation is top notch. I don't want families standing in line. It just provides a frustration before they're about to go in the service and try to engage in worship. Um, So we've kind of honed the check-in situation to a science where we can move this many people through without standing in lines. And, you know, so we just. We just kind of were like, let's forget everything else. Let's do what we know and do it really well. And Mariska's right. The number of Saturdays that we were like, okay, Jesus, loaves and fish. So you're either going to bring volunteers out of the woodwork who are just like, do you guys need any help? Which has happened. Or you're going to have the ratio of families that come mean that we're not turning kids away in droves. Um, which by the way is another, that's another good pressure point for a pastoral team is if you Mm -hmm. start turning families away because you don't have enough people to serve them, it's not a great look. So when all else fails, um, fire code really is your friend at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been sweet to go, okay, Lord, we're just trusting you because you know, our limitations, you actually care more about this ministry than we do and you have a bigger plan for discipleship in the lives of these kids than we do. So we're going to do everything we can with what we know. And we're going to trust you for the gaps. And he has not let us down yet. Amen. So, Which I know so- sounds that might sound like, oh my gosh, that is so spiritual <laughs> and unattainable. But I really think if we take the spiritual out of it, we're not going to see what what we're looking for and i think it's easy to get into a striving mode in children's ministry because it comes the same time every week yeah and there is a supernatural element that has to be in play otherwise it's theater so
0: amen thanks for listening we'll be right back are we shaping kids with lasting faith Let's invest in building resilient disciples today through the Awana Resilient Child Discipleship Training. At these one-day events hosted from October to March in Nashville, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas, Tampa, and online, you'll gather with fellow ministry leaders to learn how to create engaging experiences kids will not want to miss, three easy steps to effective child discipleship, and how not to lose our kids to today's culture. Through five sessions, you'll be introduced to Resilient Child Discipleship and the 3B Discipleship Formation Pathway. You and your leaders will gain a strategy to create a child discipleship culture in your local church, practices to implement in your ministry, at church and at home, and insights from the new research book from the Barna Group and Awana, Children's Ministry and a New Reality, the largest child discipleship study done in over 20 years. One day of training can help change the trajectory of your discipleship and form generations of Christ followers. Invest in your team. Invest in your kids. Invest in the future of your church today. Secure your seat at events.awana.org. So I want to I play this clip because in what folks are listening to this, we're about to hear through the magic of podcasting. Uh, is about three minutes of Shannon on a particular Sunday, um, casting vision for, recruiting for, and being incredibly transparent about the needs and the priority of child discipleship within the context of their church. None of us are suggesting that uh, this is a script for you to adopt for yours. But I sincerely, I will, be, I will argue uh, and fight anybody who listens to this and doesn't take something from this that they can adapt to their context and also I acknowledge for you, Shannon, the awkwardness of us just talking about something you did several weeks ago as if you weren't here. So take a listen to this.
1: Now next. I want to let you know something really important, but if you use the announcements portion of the service to refresh your Facebook feed or check and return text messages that came in during worship before the real good stuff that's to come after the announcements, then I want to help you with something that we do in Kid City when we need everybody's attention, okay? So in Kid City, the leader will say, focus, Fox. And thank you for already knowing. Great Kid City volunteers right here. And everyone in the room puts their fox in the air and it helps them know that what's about to come is really important. So we're just gonna try that together. Thank you for being such good sports on a Sunday. Here we go, focus fox. It's good, I wish you could see it from my view because it is pretty amazing. So here's the deal. The primary demographic at Church of the City is young families. That means families with kiddos in preschool or elementary ages. And the actual statistic of amount of children that our young families have produced is a gazillion, okay? (laughs) That's the actual facts. And so what has happened is that as we have returned to some sort of normalcy, we are seeing about 700 kids per weekend here at Church of the City. And we have plenty of space to host these kids, but we do not have enough volunteers to host them. And since the demographic of our church is primarily young families, that means that the pool of people most available would be young families. But you don't want to ask parents to get up and perform a feat of epic proportions to get all their children dressed with matching shoes and here, and then ask them to drop them off and go serve someone else's children. So I'd love to talk to a couple of demographics in the room that are not young families. High school and middle school students, we love you in Kid City. You are some of our rock stars and we need you. College students, single adults, young marrieds with no children, empty nesters, grandparents. If you are a stakeholder at Church of the City and have made a commitment to serve but have not yet made good on that commitment, then we are also talking to you. We need help because now we're beginning to turn children and families away from Kid City, and we don't want to do that. Now, some of you are like me, and you're a problem solver, and so you've already thought of a couple of ways that we can solve this, and so I just want to put those out here because that way you don't have to come up afterwards and say it. Some of you are like, why don't you just pay them? Well, here's the thing. You can solve a lot of problems with money. Discipleship and formation of the next generation into the image of Christ is not one of them. So we're not gonna pay them. The other thing that people so helpfully suggest is, why don't you just require the parents who are using Kid City to serve there? Well, that's a good thought. If you want to browbeat people into service and not have them engaged in formation. So because our desire is to serve that very demographic, we are not going to require them to meet their own need. We are going to ask you to engage in solving this problem because it's one at Church of the City that we should not have. So. If you are interested in serving, then I just want to encourage you that you do not want to be like Jonah, (laughs) running from your life, which is to serve and help us in formation of this next generation. That same QR code that gives you information on the other things that were announced will show you how to get engaged with us in Kid City because it is a passion for us to raise the next generation to know, love, and follow Jesus and to partner with parents in that journey. So thank you. If you had a feeling in your stomach as I was talking and you were really hoping I would draw it to a close, I want you to know that that is the Holy Spirit of God. And so now you know exactly what that feels like.
0: So as we wrap up, I want to walk people through what happened next, because in that they hear how honest you were. You weren't trying to hide that this is an issue and you use the having to turn families away, but you weren't browbeating people about it. Right. You we're sort of speaking to that like this doesn't make sense. Yeah. We have this this church with all these resources and all these people. This shouldn't be an issue for us. Right. And it filled sort of like that logical gap. And yeah. you also, my, one of my personal favorites, was you called out all of the people like me in the room who would have been like, well, why don't you just think of this, right? Yeah. As if you hadn't had a dozen meetings leading up to that conversation. So uh, for either of you, what was the Sunday like before that? What was that Sunday like after that? And how did you guys begin to see God move through this specific uh, area of volunteers?
2: Yeah, I'll speak first before um, Shannon goes, um, you know, like she had mentioned, you know, the leading weeks before we were seeing a lot of new families um, come week after week and, you know to have to turn those families away is that you know over elementary it breaks my heart um because i don't want to turn anybody away but you know it's so important too that the kids we're taking a it's a safe environment and two we're actually discipling them it's not just a babysitting for the parents for an hour we want to be pouring into these kids and so it is hard to turn those families away especially when all these new families are coming in we want it to be such a welcoming environment for their kids because like shannon said um, the kids portion of that is so important when you have families with kids, um, it's mm-hmm. a that's an important factor to what families are, are seeking. Um, and so those leading weeks up to before Shannon got up, you know, we were seeing a lot of new families and then the growth and then still trying to do the small groups and the discipleship and the large groups and then to do it effectively. We needed, we, we knew we needed more volunteers to serve on Sunday mornings that had a heart, Um, that, you know, were committed to being stakeholders at Church of the City and to know that they played a huge part in discipling this next generation and that if they had the bandwidth in this season to say yes. And so um, it was just exciting to see, um, obviously, the message that Shannon brought on that Sunday morning and just the impact that it did bring bring the the following weeks after. Yeah. Yeah, it was... (laughs) You know,
1: it's not the first time I've said we need volunteers. That is not the first time I have said that on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the first time I've done it like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And every other time that I have asked for volunteers, um, I think we have maybe had 12 12 to 15 Mm -hmm. people respond, which is 12 to 15 people we didn't have before. So that is nothing to sneeze at. Um, but this one, I think we're up in the nineties of people that have responded. Um, and yes, and I think, you know, back to everybody doing what they're good at, you know, communication is my thing. I'm not saying, yeah, I just got up there and it was weird. I don't know where it came from. Like communication is what I do. So, Mm -hmm. but for me, I was like, okay, Lord, how can I harness the gifts you've given me to make this a felt need Mm -hmm. for people um, rather than just going over their head and something they don't care about. And so I started from the premise that post-COVID and based on the amount of new families we had seen, that a majority of the people sitting in that room were probably people new to Church of the City since COVID. Mm -hmm. So rather than coming in there going, you guys, we've all been on this journey for five years and here we are again. I decided to just go with the premise that they had never heard me talk about this. And so that's why I start at the top of the clip saying, this is the demographic of our church Yeah. because it's very easy to sit in a room the size of ours, which is a 2,300 seat room and go, well, kid city seems to be amazing. So there must not be any issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to ensure that the families who need Kid City didn't feel the pressure to solve it. And they're always the first people that feel the pressure to solve things. Um, And that's why I just started going down the line of demographics that were not parents with kids in Kid City. Um, And so... I thought I'll start at demographics. I'll move to the ask. I'll talk about it as a discipleship, not a numbers game. And then I will, I will call out the two excuses that I hear most often. Anytime we say we have a need, well, why don't you just, which is what people say when they don't know what they're talking about. Um, (laughs) You know, why don't you just do this? And it's like the just right there tells me that you don't have a, a concept of the scope of something like this. And so assume they don't know the right information, not assume they know, and they're refusing was part of it. Um, but then also just call out why we're not paying people or requiring parents to solve the problem, because this is about discipleship. It's not about babysitting. Um, so yeah, that, that was the reason behind it. I will say that Darren, our senior pastor, has now said maybe you should just travel the country and do that for churches who aren't mm-hmm. sure how to do it in their context. You so, could just
0: offer up a service. Yeah, just, you know. just let me
1: know if that's helpful. And I'm uh-huh. all about. I we know what it is like, and and I wanted honestly, I wanted to solve it for Mariska and for Brandy, who's our preschool director, and so I had all the passion I needed to be like. I will put it all on the line for this. It's interesting. Even parents of kids in kid city started serving after that to it. And I would say, Hey, we weren't talking to you. And they're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but our kids are a part of it. And we just want to be part of what God's doing. And so it will unintentionally get even those people that you're not asking for, but we've had a lot of people just go, it was so compelling. And we didn't, we didn't know there was a need. And now that we know we're going to meet it. And some of the greatest stories we've got in the last several weeks are from people who came through that announcement yeah. so I'm so thankful for how God used it and all glory to him for sure because yeah. it could have been a flop
0: <laughs> yeah I mean it was compelling enough I, w- I want to drive down to Tennessee every week um and I live about eight and a half hours away from y'all <laughs> um
2: come on. yeah oh, I take a schedule <laughs> yeah thank
0: you thank you um so where I want to sort of leave things last thing I want to address with you guys is I think what you were able to do so well in that moment was you navigated sort of the two poles that happen around an ask for volunteers, Mm -hmm. which are people go, can you just help us in the nursery? Can you just press play on the DVD?
1: Yeah, there's that just again, yeah.
0: There's that just again. Mm -hmm. And then the other is uh, managing volunteers is terrible. I'm burnt out. Will you please uh, stand with me every week for the next 25 years? um, And you never get to go to church. But the folks who are still listening to us talk have the passion that you described. How do you continue to live within those two poles of that discipleship being the most important thing when you're not just making an ass, but when you're having that casual conversation with someone you bump into, or you meet someone afterwards who was kind of skeptical and now they get it, like you clearly have tapped into something that is applicable for everyone
1: we have to keep the main thing, the main thing. And if we're keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is we're not providing crowd control and a great concert. We are discipling kids in the way of Jesus. And we're discipling them in mundane moments. We're discipling them in behavior challenges. We're discipling them when we dance and sing. We're discipling them in scripture. We're discipling them in difficult conversations. We're discipling them in fun. Um, Then It keeps us bolstered and it keeps us encouraged. And so we don't burn out on the fact that we need more people. Instead, we attract what we're hoping for by being passionate about it ourselves. I would say primarily it's just us not getting lost in the minutia and the weariness of cranking out children's ministry week in and week out. But remembering that we've got the privilege to partner with parents in discipleship of their kids, and we've got that privilege for a season. And so as much as possible, we're going to hit grand slams with that.
0: Well, Welcome back to the Child Discipleship Podcast. I am so glad that you're with us. Uh, I am joined by Mike Handler, the Chief Communication and Innovation Officer at Owana. Mike, thanks for doing this.
3: Yeah, thanks for letting me be here. So
0: Mike, I asked you to do something a little silly, which is we're here to announce the name change of a podcast and people are listening approximately 26 minutes into the name change of said podcast. But
3: yeah, so let me, let me be the first to welcome you guys to the Ross Cochran podcast. <laughs> Absolutely not.
0: Oh, Oh, goodness gracious. Please don't, please don't do that to me. The wrong thing was on my calendar. I apologize. Yeah. Um, So no, this is now called the Child Discipleship Podcast. And Mike, why are we making that
3: change? Well, Child Discipleship uh, is in fact, our mission critical. Uh, At Awana, uh, we've been known certainly for 70 plus years for a rich history of, of, ministry in the local church setting, both here in the U.S. and around the world. A lot of times that has been, we've been known for a methodology, and that methodology is great. Awana Club, I mean, right now, as you know, Ross, and as hopefully the listeners know, right now that's reaching five million plus kids on a weekly basis. Uh, We're not shying away from that, but at the same time, we wanted to focus on the mission of child discipleship. So if you're just joining us and you are at like our Child Discipleship Forum, or if you've encountered us through other ways and means, and maybe you're completely foreign to the concept of a wanna Clubs or our other discipleship offerings, which include our Sunday morning or weekend offering called Bright or our home offering called Talk About, you may not know exactly what, you know, this whole resilient thing is or any one of those nuanced offerings. That being said, we want to welcome you. We want to link arms with you. We want to be together with you on the mission of child discipleship which we believe is the mission critical not just of Awana, but of the church as a whole now i'm
0: curious you know this podcast started in january of 2020 what a time to start something new <laughs> and it was started around a book that you are a co-author on and you know we're not shying away from this book either mm-hmm. what does the what does the book resilient How does that play into this future conversation related to Awana?
3: Yeah, resilient is really just our way as a ministry to record for everyone and to offer to everyone what we would call our our philosophy of discipleship, right? So resilient is the fact that we desire that the children and the youth who grow up in an Awana ministry or any church ministry for that matter um, are able to live lives lives i should say with resilient faith what does that mean that means they have a faith that bends but doesn't break that means that they have conviction and compassion that means that i mean just easily put they have a faith that lasts no matter what that book resilient that we published in uh early 2020 again great time to launch or you know put something out there yeah Um, you know it's it's distributed over 20,000 plus copies which is amazing it talks about the resonance That's playing in the hearts and in the minds of those who work with kids, whether their own or kids in their church or whatever it might be. But but there's a desire there that we would have a generation of resilient disciples, our kids and their kids and their kids to come, that their faith would be a lasting faith, a a genuine faith, a faith that's very real, uh, no matter the circumstance or situation that they might find themselves. That's resilient in a nutshell. It's based on this 3B philosophy that we find in the scriptures that we find throughout all of the ministries that we are able to be a part of belong believe become It's kind of a discipleship pathway if you will but all of that is just kind of this skeletal system if you will regarding what we call child discipleship
0: amen to that last thing I'll just throw out there is that for those of you who have been listening for a while those of you who have been uh, part of uh, part of this journey since January of 2020. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I will just say that the podcast isn't going to change very much beyond the name and the fancy new logo. So just please, I don't say this nearly as often as I used to when this podcast started, but I would love wherever you're listening, there's a button that says subscribe or follow or favorite. It really helps the show whenever you do press that button. So Mike, any last
3: words for those who are still listening to us talk? Just share it with your friends. Honestly, share it with those who you do ministry with. Share it share it wherever you can. Um, I think all of us, you know, we don't have to be futurists to see that, you know, just the times are different. But really what, what we're about is just saying, okay, given everything, we want to make sure that, again, that our kids have faith at last in Jesus. I can't think of a greater thing to invest our time, effort, or energy into. Um, And we're glad you're here, honestly. We're we're glad you guys are with us.
0: The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Marlon Washington and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard All Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.